We're here because of Jesus today. We are Cornerstone Baptist Church, if you're just walking by and, and listening in. And this is Church at the Waterfront, where during the month of July, we are not going to be in our church building, but we're going to be worshiping down here at the Montague Waterfront. We've got a great team of volunteers and, and people who have helped to make this happen. So if you see someone with a name tag, thank them today, because they, they put time and, and effort and sweat, especially this morning, into helping getting this space ready. But something that I've wanted to do since we're down here at the waterfront and in this month of July is to spend some time talking about some of the things that, that maybe you have heard about Christianity or what people who believe in Jesus believe or do or what it's like. And some things that are, are quite popular or quite that you have heard that often go unaddressed, but I think, I think we need to talk about them. So last week, because we canceled, we were talking about the fact that many people believe that Christianity is anti-science. And that if you are someone who wants to follow Jesus, you have to make a choice between um, either going to take science seriously or the Bible seriously. We talked about the fact that, in fact, the two can go together. And if our God is the creator God, then creation points to him. And as we study creation, as we dig into the intricacy of the created world through the scientific method, it's going to point us to the truth of our Creator. This week we are going to talk about a, an issue that is particularly poignant with the time and place that we're in right now. I, I want to talk about this idea that, that many people have that Christianity is a white man's religion. I when I was interning at, at a church during my, my studies, we did a Bible study at a lady's house on the Scotchford Reservation. And as someone who was generally quite unaware of the reality of the residential school system, and even just the brutal way that our country has treated indigenous people in our history, I did not understand the baggage of much of what was going on. And in fact, the lady who was hosting the Bible study in her house, she, she invited her brother to come and be part of the Bible study. And, and when I showed up one weekend, he wasn't there, and, and she mentioned that he was really struggling with the idea of coming to this Bible study because for him, Christianity was the religion of the white man. For me, that was like the first time I had really, really ever heard that phrase and, and never really understood the baggage of it. I'm someone, like many of you, who is really wrestling through a lot of what has been resurfaced in the recent discovery of the, the unmarked graves at residential schools across uh, Canada. I'm someone who, like many of you, is really wrestling with what it means that a lot of these schools were run by church institutions and by priests and nuns and, and people who claim to be followers of Jesus, yet perpetru perpetrated grave injustices. I'm wrestling with you. And, and I think we need to be able to talk about these kind of things, because if we just let it sit in silence, that, that doubt, that awkwardness, the unaddressed subject becomes an elephant in the room. Christianity, for many people, particularly those of minorities, particularly of the indigenous people in Canada, particularly of much of the developing world that is in the state it is because of the colonization that has taken place, has seen Christianity as 
the faith of the white man. And so our task this morning as we wrestle through this is, is Christianity just this white man's religion? Is it the, the tool of the oppressor? Or is it something more than that? And in order to answer this, in order to wrestle with this, if we're going to tackle this subject, we need to go back. We need to go back and we need to look at the teachings and the life of Jesus of Nazareth and of his early followers, and as well as what has gone on throughout the centuries of the church since then. So if you will go on this journey with me, this uncomfortable journey, we're going to start in the book of Acts. If you have a Bible app on your phone, or maybe you decided to bring a Bible to the waterfront with you, we're going to be in Acts chapter 15. In, in Acts chapter 15, there's this moment, this crucial moment in the life of the early church, in the short decades after Jesus' resurrection, where there was disagreement within the, the church, within the disciples of Jesus, about how to proceed with this movement that started off as Jewish people following this man who claimed to be the Jewish Messiah. And all of a sudden, people who weren't Jewish started believing and following Jesus, started to, to devote their lives to him, started to see light transformation, started to see their diseases be healed, started to see, see things that were radically transforming their lives, but they had no Jewish background. And so there began to be this disagreement in the church of, well, should these non-Jewish people who are following Jesus have to become Jewish in order to follow Jesus as the Jewish Messiah? Do you have to become like us in order to follow Jesus? And in Acts 15, this is where it all came to a head, because Paul and his friend Barnabas were traveling all around the Mediterranean at the time. They were telling about Jesus who rose from the dead. And people were experiencing these encounters with Jesus and his spirit that was changing their lives. And, and all of a sudden, they're, they're asking these questions. How do I live now that I'm following Jesus, this resurrected Jewish Messiah? And they became these kind of hardline Jewish leaders who were teaching, well, if you're going to follow the Jewish Messiah, then you need to go all the way. You need, to, you need to convert to Judaism. Men, you need to be circumcised. You guys need to follow the kosher eating laws. You need to go to the temple three times a year to offer sacrifices. You need to join this religion in order to follow Jesus. You need to look like us if you want to follow Jesus. Obviously, that is a big obstacle for many people. And, and Paul and Barnabas were really struggling with this reality, especially knowing the non-Jewish communities that they were working in. And so the church had a council. Leaders from the church across the, the Syria and, and Israel at the time gathered in Jerusalem. And, and they convened together and they were working through the issue. Do non-Jews need to become Jewish in order to follow Jesus? And during this time, Paul stands up and he says this. This is Acts 15, verses 8 through 11. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them, the non-Jews, by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us, those of us who are Jews. 
He did not discriminate between us and them because he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the next, the Gentiles, the non-Jews, a yoke that neither we or our ancestors have been able to bear? Why are you causing them to follow all these laws and regulations in this religion that God is not actually requiring? Paul says, no. We believe that through grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are saved, just as they are. And so James, who is Jesus' brother, stands up in this council, and he says, all right, people who aren't Jewish don't need to convert to Judaism. You don't have to look like us in order to become followers of Jesus. They get to sort out in community what it looks like for them to follow the way of Jesus as non-Jewish. As someone who doesn't live in Jerusalem by the temple. As someone in Greece who's figuring out what does it look like for me to be a faithful follower of Jesus in this city, in this time, in this place. It was decided in Acts 15 at that Jerusalem council. You don't have to become Jewish to follow Jesus. You don't have to look like us. You try to look like Jesus. The problem is, the track record of the church throughout the centuries has not followed suit. In fact, short decades after this, a couple centuries later, this almost gets switched on its head. See, Paul, as he continued his missionary journeys, he finally got to Rome and, and got to spread the gospel in the heart of the Roman Empire. And, and centuries later, through the the, uh, the growth of Christianity as people became to follow Jesus. There was laws that were created by emperors, Constantine and Theodosius, who, who made Christianity the religion of the Roman Empire. All of a sudden, to be Roman means that you should be a Christian. You should be part of the church. You should be living this way. But there became this weird thing of, all of a sudden, the religion of the king becomes the religion of the people. And so as the Roman Empire expanded, as it grew by the edge of the sword, all of a sudden, as towns and cities and nations are conquered, there's this expectation of, if you are Roman, you are a Christian. You look like us, you talk like us, you believe like us, because you're a Roman citizen. There became this weird conflation of leadership within the church and leadership within the hierarchy of the Roman Empire to a point where the church kind of melded and looked less like a, a missionary apostles movement and more like the hierarchy of the Roman Empire, where you began to have popes like emperors, where you began to have, have bishops like kings over territories, where there became power structures taking place that were holding authority rather than Jesus. Maybe you remember in school, in 1492, Columbus sailed the oceans blue. And as Columbus arrived on the shores of the New World, so to speak, bringing it to the awareness of Europeans, when he returned back to Spain, he and the king of Spain went to the Pope and they said, 
we have discovered this new land. We need to be able to have justification to take it over. We need justification to make it our land, even though there are people living on it. And so the Pope in 1492, in light of Columbus's discovery, develops what was called the Doctrine of Discovery. This, this theological doctrine that says, if a land is discovered by a Christian kingdom that is not occupied by Christians, it becomes the land of the discovering Christian empire. Regardless of who lives there. This is the story of much of North America. This is the story of much of Africa, of, of, of the Philippines, of of the Asian countries that became colonies of European empires, who justified their claim to land on a doctrine that was developed that says, if Christians don't live here, we get to claim it, because it's an expansion of the kingdom of God. Christianity became a weapon for European colonialism. We have a God-given right to this land was the theology of the time. The reason that the Far East is called the Far East is because it's far east of Europe. Because the world became centered on European empires. Meanwhile, men and women trafficked from Africa to become slaves in Europe and North America are taught to submit and listen and obey their masters using passages from Paul out of context to shut them up. To say, this is our God-given right to lord authority over you. This is the kind of Christian that could rightly be called the religion of the white man. This is the kind of Christianity where bad theology becomes a justification for evil. Where if you don't look like us, if you don't think like us, if you don't sound like us, you're inferior. And we get to have authority over you. Where a pursuit of power and dominance takes precedence over a pursuit of Jesus and his character. So what happened? What happened to this movement of Jesus' disciples early on that decided, you don't have to look like us. In order to follow Jesus, seek to look like Jesus. To a religion that spread out from Europe to become this, this system that says, if you don't look like us, if you don't think like us, if you don't believe like us, you are not worthy of the same value. Four years ago, a pastor from Ontario named Ruxy Cady released a video talking about the reality of the church's involvement in residential schools in Canada. This is before the kind of recent resurfacing of this issue for many of us. But he said this, which I think is incredibly meaningful. He says, it seems that when the Christian church has Jesus at the center, follows him and emulates him, and is like him, the church is one of the most beautiful forces for good on the planet. 
But whenever the Christian church doesn't have Jesus at the center, when power or wealth or dominance or conquest is central, it becomes one of the most horrific forces that justifies terrible things. The question we need to ask ourselves is, in our version of Christianity, is Jesus at the center? Is Jesus and a life of following his way at the center of the life that we live? See, we need a a Christianity that is built on Jesus, following after Jesus, modeled, chiseled after him, not built in our own image. We read in the early chapters of Genesis that God created humanity in his image. But many of us, we want to return the favor. We want to create a God in our own image. We want a Christianity that that fits our desires and and our agendas and what we want to do. Timothy Keller, a pastor in New York City, he said that if your God never disagrees with you, you're not worshiping God. You're worshiping yourself. Christianity that does not have Jesus in his way at the center. That seeks instead a political agenda that seeks ahead instead our own getting ahead at the expense of others is not a Christianity that reflects Jesus. We see this in how we treat one another, in how we live alongside one another. We see this differentiation taking place with what Many Christians throughout church history is called the kingdom of God and what Jesus proclaimed as the kingdom of God. For many Christians throughout the centuries, the kingdom of God has been the expansion of Christianized empires, Christendom throughout the world. This colonizing force that has oppressed, that has, uh, that has used others for its own advantage. One that advances its own values its own agenda, while sprinkling religious language on top in order to justify its actions. We see this in the residential schools in Canada. But the kingdom that Jesus preached, the kingdom of God is an upside-down power structure. It is one that flips the hierarchies of the world on its head, one where the first is last and the last is first. One that is not set up to benefit the privileged, but is good news to the poor and the oppressed. One that speaks in prophetic judgment on the ways that the word of God has been used to oppress others. It is a gospel of good news, of reconciliation. And a reconciliation that gets played out in how you and I interact. And how the brokenness in human relationships can be mended because Jesus has mended the relationship between us and God. It's a kingdom, a way of life, a faith that is not about becoming Jewish. Not about becoming like the Romans or the developing Holy Roman Empire. It's not a faith about becoming like the European missionaries. It's about finding our life and hope and identity and transformation in Jesus Christ. A Jesus-centered Christianity is a Christianity for all nations and peoples 
and cultures. Let me give you some of the positive highlights from the last 2,000 years. Many of us, our picture of Christianity throughout the, the centuries has been one that's been centered in Europe. You know, early Christianity spread like wildfire and was vibrant in North Africa. Do you know that there was growing and expansive work that the church was doing natively in Ethiopia and throughout Africa before a slave ship ever touched its shores? Jesus was worshipped long before any European ever came as a slaver and told slaves, submit to your masters as is fitting to the Lord. Did you know that the black church in North America, descendants of slaves, is a miraculous existence that, that shows us the power of Jesus that people who have been slaves and descended from slaves find their hope in the risen Jesus of Nazareth despite the fact how improperly he was proclaimed by their slavery. How they found hope in him that sustained them through oppression. That the gospel music that we sing is the music of hope that the black church has passed down throughout the centuries. As a way of reminding themselves that the justice of God is greater than the injustice that they were experiencing. Let me tell you some lesser known realities about Christianity today. This is from the Washington Post. It said, The center of Christianity has shifted from Europe to the global south. In 1980, more Christians were found in the global south than the north for the first time in a thousand years. Today, Christian community in Latin America and Africa alone counts for one billion people. Many of us live in a time and place where we say that Christianity is in decline. Our churches are shrinking. That, that, that the church is failing. Let me tell you that the church is global. It is a global movement that we see blowing up in places around the world that are finding Jesus. The number of Christians in China today has nearly doubled in the last 10 years. There are more Christians in China now than there are people in Canada. Period. In light of this, in light of the reality that our faith is a global faith, not just one descended from Europeans, we need to ask ourselves, how is our walk of faith being shaped? We are shaped in how we live out our faith by the communities we're in by the influences that we have, by the books that we read, by the podcasts that we listen to. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but many of us, our version of Christianity is almost entirely shaped by American resources. No shade to Americans. My wife is an American. But we are only getting a slim picture of the church if all we ever receive and learn and teach is received from American organizations. How can we let what we are reading, what we are listening to, 
reflect better the global reality of the church, that Christianity is not just a religion of white people. It's a religion of black and African and Asian and Middle Eastern, of indigenous people. Let me, let me give you a couple head starts. I read a book this year that blew my mind by a guy named Esau McCollum. He's a black Anglican theologian. He wrote a book called Reading While Black that highlights how scripture has been a source of hope for the descendants of, of African slaves in North America throughout the decades. And how scripture and faith in Jesus actually is a strong hopeful foundation. Look him up. Phenomenal author, great speaker, who is helpful in changing our thinking from Christianity just being a European ideology to a global. I have a friend named Terry LeBlanc who is the founder of an organization called Nates, an indigenous learning community, who are training up indigenous Christian theologians in working through what does it look like for me to be an indigenous person and a follower of Jesus. That I don't need to become like a white man in order to be a follower of Jesus. There are unique ways that as an indigenous person, I can follow the way of Jesus. I'm reading a book right now by a guy named Richard Twist called Rescuing the Gospel from the Cowboys. Who's talking about the reality of as a Christian teacher and theologian and an indigenous person. There are assumptions that we make about how we follow Jesus that are more culturally bound than actually the way of Jesus. We need these kinds of voices. Let me close with this. John the Revelator in, in the book of Revelation gives us this glimpse into the throne room of God. This moment where we see you know, the curtain peeled back and the people of God worshiping before him for eternity. And this is what he says. After this I looked. And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the land. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The picture we have of the church in heaven is a global church. A church of people from every tribe, nation, language who are all counted as one together through Jesus. Is Christianity the religion of white man? Yes. But it is also the faith of many people of many tribes and nations and tongues from across the globe throughout the centuries. We inherit a faith and a legacy greater than what was passed down just from European sites. It's a greater faith. For many of us, as we wrestle through a lot of the injustice that's taken place, that's recently resurfacing in Canada for what the church has done, we need to remember that a 
faith that is Jesus-centered is not one that oppresses the poor, oppresses those unlike us, that seeks to turn you into us instead of pointing you to follow and live like Jesus. This is what it's about. Will you pray with me? Jesus, you are the reason we're here. You are the center of our faith. You are the one who, you are the creator come in the flesh. You've lived here on this earth with us, and you've died for my sin, for the ways that I have treated others unlike how you treat them. Jesus, you are making people new. You're making me new. You're making us new. You are making people across this globe new by the power of your spirit at work. You are making us into new people. Where we are our yes of different nations and backgrounds and tribes and cultures, but we're also given the title of your child. We have this beautiful kind of unity because of that, Jesus. A unity that unites us despite the way that the world is going to try to classify us differently and divide. You call us yours. And Jesus, moving forward, would you help us to be the kind of people who seek to follow you, to keep pointing people to you? that we might be transformed into the image of Jesus, not the image of a white man, not the image of a first century Jew, not the image of a fourth century Roman, but to look like Jesus. Would we see the beautiful diversity of your church in this way? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can you stand with us as we sing?